Hello, everyone. This is Rick with the Cyber Pro Podcast, where industry leaders share their insights. Here's the cool part. We have a second timer on. Amber Schroeder is on. She's the founder and CEO of Paraben Corp. She has been doing it for over 24 years. That's impressive in and of itself. But for us, she is the original OG. She did episode number three in January of 2021. I'd like to introduce the digital forensics wonder woman, Amber, thank you so much for being back on the podcast. So happy to be back and supporting. So let's kick it off right away, Amber. What have you been up to since the last time you were on the Cyber Pro podcast over two and a half years ago? I know. Well, getting through the pandemic, uh, knock on wood, I might be the last person who has not had COVID yet. So it's pretty unique. <laughs> um, but no, expanding and doing new things. I've done a lot of work in the cloud lately, so um, which makes sense. Isn't that a nice side effect of the whole pandemic is that we got more cloud? It's definitely been an interesting run. Let's let's take that down the path a little bit. Talk to us just a little bit about what Paraben does. So we are a digital investigations technology company. And I kind of say investigations in general because part of that change in the last couple of years is that Digital forensics has really started to become a closer cousin to things like OSIN investigations and even e-discovery, which is a type of investigation in itself. So it's really about all the digital things being together and being able to find that information. So I've kind of rebranded in a way and saying that it's more general digital investigations because there's so many cousins now. It's like the family grew. It's <laughs> I, I will agree with you on that. And and you do have a farm now in the South. So you're used to cousins being around you, right? I know. And I was from Utah. So I was like, oh, maybe they're all polygamous cousins. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> Too funny. Here we go. We're going down a bad track. <laughs> Anyways, you know, I'd love to get your perspective on how the cybersecurity landscape has evolved over the past few years. So I think the biggest change is some of that cousining that they're actually mushing together. I know we never really had a good definition of cyber. Uh, everyone always just talks about it like, oh, I totally know what cyber is. And you walk around and you're like, yeah, you don't know what it is because you can't really define it. And I think we're getting closer to that definition as all the other kind of individual spaces come together so that there are components. So if I'm doing a cyber response, it's going to involve an incident response. It's going to involve digital forensics. It might involve some OSINT looking at who the threat actors are. But all of those components are now coming together where before we were all in our own separate spaces. There was no family reunion happening. It was, oh, I didn't even know you existed out there. And now we're all sharing and looking at the same data. And I think that's where cyber has really changed in the last couple of years. Maybe we just have more time to focus on it or there were more attacks in the last couple of years because people have more time to focus on it. We get choices. I love it. I love the thought process on that. So take me down this path. Are there any emerging trends, technologies, or approaches that you're excited about? Oh, there's so many. So you're going to laugh at me because you can't see this part of my office. So I have a whole bookshelf in my office, which are all for like the new trendy things that I'm seeing out there. And one of the things I picked up was an Oculus. And everyone can stop laughing right now. I know. Yes, I went into the virtual uh, world. I decided to explore it. And what started me into that space was actually a TikTok I saw about how I could become a stripper in the metaverse and make an extra side hustle. I know you're like, this is not where I expected this to go. Great. But you get inspired from different areas. You never know. And I was like, wow, okay, so if you're stripping in the metaverse and they're saying you're making ten to 15000 a month stripping, I'm like, that's some good coin. 
was like, that's pretty good. I'm like, is the IRS in there? Are they taxing this? They're not going to, Metaverse isn't going to send me a 1099. What's happening? Because transactions equal crime because you need to have money. And so I decided to dive in. <laughs> um, I'm not a great dancer. So I also employed um, my kid who is fantastic because I have a 15 minute timer in virtual reality before I am puking my guts out because the motion sickness is so just immense. But because my youngest son, who's 20, he's, he's always played games. He doesn't have that problem. He can go almost two hours in there. And I said, fantastic. I'm going to teach my kid how to be a stripper. Things you never thought you would say. I I explained it all to him. And I said, we need to gather data and you need to interact with people. But the trick is I get to design your avatar. And he's like, all right, this is fair. This is interesting. Why not? And now everyone's thinking I'm a bad parent, but I'm not. He's learning about a new environment that is coming out and it's going to be part of his generation. I have a feeling it's not going to really be part of my generation, but it's definitely part of his and the alpha generation after his. So we started researching in and gathering data and seeing what type of investigative information is being left virtually that we're not seeing in real life. And we've spent, we spent months doing that, gathering it, sharing with people. I really think the gaming world is one that is also not acknowledged in the world of cyber enough, which is my other son who helped me with that research because he's working on becoming a tier one player. Things I didn't actually know about. I don't want to seem like I was cool, but yeah, I didn't know about all this and I've learned a lot and I've learned how much time they spend in it. It's a different cyber world than what I knew, you know, 30 years ago when the internet started. No, it's amazing. And I think if anybody's watching needs to take something from this, it's, it's, it's not that Amber is an amazing parent. It's that, <laughs> it's that, it's that she is providing the ability for her children and others to understand that research is key. Right. Yes. Go, go find the data, go figure out how to make this tool work for you. And there's the, the circle back to everything that you and I do today, um, in investigations and in cybersecurity. If you don't know what you're looking for, then you're just using the tool. Is you're just walking theory? around. You're just walking around hoping you can do it. And this is true for my kids whenever they've done anything. And again, the youngest wanted to have an Oculus headset and he wanted to do this type of gaming. But our rule of thumb is even as adults, I said, you guys have to understand what your digital fingerprint is doing in there before you decide to jump in, you know, full war, because it just doesn't work. I said, this is the rest of your life. Everything you do with your digital fingerprint is forever now. And that's why we do the research. It happened to be a very interesting way to go in and research. And he is a good dancer. But it's also at the same time, it's valuable for what they're going to have in their cyber futures. And I don't think a lot of parents think of it that way. I am a very black and white blunt parent and my kids like this about me, but I have one of my kids that's on the spectrum and he needed it that way. So it worked. Nice. So I know you have a lot of cool stories. You've been in this world for a long time. Um, Could you share a real world cybersecurity or investigation story and the lessons or takeaways that we can learn from it? Oh, there's so many. Um, I'm going to go for a generic one that kind of blanket hits a lot of people in cyber. And a lot of people, I think, have that pause moment, even when you do this professionally, that says, okay, is this happening? Which is, we get a lot of calls where people say, I'm being stalked on my phone. 
Okay. So let's say we get a hundred calls a month out of those hundred calls. One of them is actually being stalked on their phone. Most of the rest of it is they didn't control that digital fingerprint that they had. And as we start going into the data, reading through half a million text messages that people have and noticing, how did you set this up? We've also noticed that people aren't caring about their password sharing or their account sharing, how many people, and again, different relationship um, level, but like the Gen Zers that say, hey, you can just have my passwords. That way you can just log in. And that's the other 99 of them. Oh, we just started an Apple account together. So all of our phones could easily talk. And I'm like, well, you're not married. You're just, you just thought that was a good idea. You don't have any contract obligations with any of these people. I said, that's how they're finding out where you are. You're sharing your data that way. And it happens so often. I don't ever have, I've never looked at my laptop or my phone as a communal device. It just isn't I'm like in no way it's, um, but I don't lock my phone. So, okay. but I don't look at it as communal, which is that big difference, which means any data I have on there, it's not at any risk. It's pictures of my dogs. It's pictures of my kids, so on and so forth. It's not something that's going to damage me. And that's part of that process that happens. That's most of the digital investigations that people are probably the most afraid of. There's the other side of it. Again, I go to a younger generation of my kids. They're in college. And uh, we've done a couple uh, alleged rape cases. And it was all about consent. And it started to spread onto their digital devices. Did they give consent? Did they not? Did they set you up? And it's surprising how often they were set up. And consent was given and everything else. All of those are now happening. That never happened before. That did not happen when I was in college. Insane. Amber, final fun question for you. Our first time around, we asked you your favorite piece of retro technology, but now I want to know your favorite piece of current technology that makes you smile. Oh, oh, that's a tough one. That really is. I'm like, oh. So I actually did um, love the Oculus as a concept. It was very cool. I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to the new Apple device where it's doing augmented reality as opposed to virtual reality. Um, I'm a little early. We're like, it's, it's like next month. I think it's supposed to hit the doors. I'm on the list. So, um, I think beyond that, I'm still a big fan of all the IOT stuff. I'm actually doing a whole series on, uh, Timu, which is the competing Chinese Amazon, as we have all seen it kind of roll out there. So I picked up a bunch of devices off of Timu and now I'm doing forensics of Timu because how can you resist buying a drone that's 30 bucks? You can't, right. you have to have it. Even if it crashes, you're like, meh, it was less than lunch. That's three bucks. But what data did you share in that process? And that influx of Chinese goods is actually creating a change in our digital fingerprint because people can't avoid a great deal. You just can't, you can't say no. Amber, thank you so much for being on the Cyber World Podcast again. Absolutely, happy to do it. Thank you for tuning into the Cyber Pro Podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on new podcasts and all of our cool bonus content.